This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Halls. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. And for the first time this year, our sort of temporary, not not temporary, what am I talking about? Um, on again, off again, <laughs> co-presenter, Sean Malloy from I Must Break This Podcast. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys, too. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the invite. We, uh, we have some uh, gems to talk about tonight, huh? We certainly do. And we're going to kick off with the gemmiest gem of all. That uh, is One Shot, starring Scott Atkins. Uh, then we have A Violent Man with Craig Fairbrass. Caught in Time is a Chinese uh, bank robber heist movie. And then we've got Glass House, which is a kind of Victorian slash sci-fi uh, post-apocalyptic movie. Our uh, short shot this week is Margaret. Uh, Going to be really interesting talking about that one. And then we've got a bit of Jean-Claude Van Damme in Desert Heat in our DTB throwback. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is One Shot. An analyst is escorted by a team of Navy SEALs to extract a prisoner from a CIA black site. However, as she tries to navigate interdepartmental jurisdictions, the base is attacked by a small army of terrorists intent on silencing their captive. Okay, so um, this is directed by James Nunn, and it's it's filmed in a way to make it appear as if this is all one continuous shot, uh, starting off in the helicopter as it approaches this black site, all the way through to, to the very end. Um, it obviously isn't um, all one shot, but it's certainly edited to make it look that way. And for, for my money, I couldn't see the seams, um, that's for sure. I was uh, trying. I was trying, man. You, you I was trying. trying to, yeah. yeah, I was trying to find yeah. a scene. And obviously it wasn't all done in uh, in one shot take, but I was, I don't know if you guys, but I was desperately trying to figure out, okay, where are the seams? Where did they, where did they cut? It's, it's pretty, it, well, pardon the pun, but it's seamless, man. I, mm. I could not for the life of me figure out where, um, the edits were done. So bravo to them for that. Yeah, I think maybe you know one or two of the explosions it could it could probably happen. But other than that, um, we Brits have had to wait bloody ages for this film. Um, we've been having to sit on our hands for a long time, while the people in the US have sort of uh, been able to bask in its its many delights. Um, but it certainly doesn't disappoint. Um, but before I get into mine or Richard's uh, thoughts on this, let's go over to Sean. Sean, uh, latest film with uh, Scott Atkins, not, not including Castle Falls, I guess. Um, what do you make of this one? You know, if, if mainstream Hollywood producers need any more evidence than they have not had already, that Scott Atkins should be a leading man in a big, huge budget production, um, if, if Boyka wasn't enough to do it and, uh, if any of, if Avengement wasn't enough to do it or any of his collaborations with, uh, Jesse Johnson, um, if those didn't do it, I think this film really, uh, really delivers in so many ways. I mean, Scott Atkins, I've said it before, but I think Scott Atkins is easily the hardest working, uh, uh, guy in, in the action genre mm. today. 
Um, and I mean, this film, I mean, if you look at it, the, the, the conceit and the story is pretty simplistic. It's, it's fairly basic, but you know, what, what's so interesting about it is for being a direct to video movie, like it is for them to employ the gimmick that they, that they did with, with it being, you know, a one shot take for them to employ that and pull it off as successfully as they did, I think is, is a miracle. And I think is pretty amazing to look at. I totally agree. Um, this is an exemplary film. Um, but before I get into my thoughts, let's go for Rich. Uh, I know, I know you, we, we had a screener for this um, just before Christmas, but we had a few issues with the audio. So again, Rich, you've been very patient waiting to see this in, um, in, in a decent format. It's now on Sky. How was the experience for you? Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it totally lived up to the expectations. I, I mean... A lot better than uh, better than I would have imagined, actually, because we've seen quite a few, you know, uh, long long take or one shot one one take, you know, kind of conceit movies hmm. uh, recently. Not least the um, Tax Sakaguchi crazy. Yeah, it's four hundred versus such, one. Yeah, four, one yeah. versus four hundred. And <clears throat> that was that wasn't. I didn't get really get on with that very well, and I don't think you guys hugely hmm. did either. As much as we could have praised some of the choreography, it just didn't have much momentum and there was a lot of repetitiveness to it what's great is about this is that it's more than it's much more than the novelty you know the one shot you know the the, the sort of selling point of it is 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 a is a novel is a novel feature mm. but it's it's executed like a proper film a proper story you know there's a lot there's a lot going on and it's very well done i couldn't see the seams either but it was you know you, it kept you drawn in to what is basically a fairly simple story, which it needs to be, because it's all taking place in real time. But the, um, it's it's almost got the flavour of like a, a film that's in one set, or you know, like a like an old fashioned sort of TV drama. You know, like you know they did that mm. uh, more recently. There was like Failsafe with uh, George Clooney, where they tried to recreate the old live television. You know, telling a story. You know, it, you know, without cutting away and all that sort of stuff. So the the um, but the way they've done it here is the co the the con the novel. Uh, I'm trying to think of the gimmick. There you go. The gimmick is it becomes almost incidental. You're just so drawn mm. into the a the action and the story, uh, which is so fantastically done, and, and all the character development you've got. I mean, you've got a lot of exposition in the start, and then the action kicks off, and and <laughs> you, you you keep thinking, oh, there's not going to be proper Adkins in this. It's it's like you know he's just going to be him walking around with a gun firing a gun no you get some full-on fight scenes like you know yeah. he's not kicking his legs all over the place or anything but you know they're pretty intense and how they manage to pull all that off is uh is is probably the most remarkable thing i mm. think um yeah we've got uh, an excellent supporting cast it was it was shot in suffolk but i think it's supposed to be a black site in poland or off the coast of, or you know off of or, or some somewhere in some european area um and the it reminded me of that uh, that short film we watched out uh, out of Mecca, yes. You know where they went when they went with the uh, the oh, what do you call it the, the uh, airsoft you know thing. Mm -hmm. so they they shot it all the bit so it's got that it's got quite a, an authentic thing also I am vengeance retaliation also came to mind it's got that similar kind of setting, um, yeah uh, and we, we've got I think it's Tim Mann doing the doing the action again if, I'm, yep. if i recall correctly mm -hmm. yeah and it doesn't outstay its welcome it's it's 
it does what you know this sort of thing needs to do it's in and out in eh, about 90 minutes about 88 eight minutes or something and yeah I can't, it, it really is fantastic i won't say it's my favorite scott adkins but no. it, it's definitely it's, you know it's, it's, a, it's a top, top tier, tier that's for sure it's a top yeah top tier yeah. definitely i mean it's his third collaboration i think with james nunn definitely the best film that they've mm. all done together and they've all been really good yeah what what surprised me about this uh more than anything was the fluidity of the camera mm. um you, you know you could have been forgiven to thinking oh it's it's going to stay with one one group of people for the whole film but it doesn't you know even no. right from the beginning it it you know when that first gunfight starts kicking off the camera just sort of drifts away as if he's trying to find yeah. a better position you know uh, and picking up sort of scenes with different characters and then sort of following them around and then circling around again to sort of back to the original people as yeah. they sort of go from building to building. Which I really um, like because then that's incredibly of, it, dynamic. It, yeah. Yeah. It gives you a lot of character time. I mean, it gives the other actors time to rest and stuff, obviously, mm. between certain bits. But the um, it, it also really helps with the characters and, you know, the, seeing both sides of the story, which uh, for a while you think, oh, you're only going to be spending your time with the heroes. There's a, I yeah. mean, no, there's not a massive amount of character development on the baddie side, mm. but. It is quite interesting to see their interactions and, and, and stuff as how, uh, you know, how they're dealing with the situation. Exactly. You, you, you get these moments where you're kind of intruding in on a different scene, aren't you? You know, mm. so it's like it, it's like the, you know, the guys playing the terrorists, for example, are having to act their scenes as if they were the, the main focus, yet they're sort of like incidental in the background. Mm. So we're picking up the dialogue, you know, seeing everything being acted out as if it was its own scene and it, it's it's just really really cleverly done and, well, and then also oh sorry man oh no carry on well what's what's also really cool about it i mean it's obviously <clears throat> okay if you break the film down i think the the biggest selling point of this film the biggest character the biggest set piece is the the all the overall one shot gimmick okay mm -hmm. that is employed and but by all accounts yes i mean it's very deserving of that and it works but i think what's also really commendable about this movie is, I mean, you talked about the characters and yeah, the bad guys really don't have a heck of a lot to, to work with. They're pretty one dimensional, but everybody else, especially on the good side, you can tell that everybody really, really cares with mm. their performances. I mean, Scott Atkins, he's delivering, you know, as best as he can with what he's been given. Um, the one gal who um, I, I didn't get her name. Uh, Ashley Green. Yeah, she is, I mean, she is doing amazing. And I was watching this and I was thinking, I've seen her before. Where have I seen this gal before? Because she has a very recognizable face. Um, she was in uh, those Twilight movies. And so oh, okay. it's, it, it's kind of cool to see her um, graduate from that a bit and, you know, do something, you know, a little that's, that's a little more action oriented. And then Ryan Phillippe, I mean, I think my big criticism with the film is with regard to his character, because the way he just kind of dips out of the film completely and then slides back in with really not a whole heck of a lot of exposition <laughs> or explanation for that is is kind of a problematic but i mean the scenes when he's on on screen are done really well uh as well i mean and if you want to and i hate i feel, feel like if we're discussing direct-to-video cinema these days it's it's kind of the um inevitable comparison but if you want to compare this to anything that uh Mr. Bruce Willis has done within the past six, seven years, okay? If you took a film like this with this conceit um, starring Bruce Willis, first of all, I highly doubt that they would have employed the, um, the sick gimmick 
that it has of it being the, the one tracking shot. And also, I don't think, you know, uh, certainly not from Bruce Willis, you'd see uh, actors who really care as much as they do about the characters. Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to, you have to sit them down somewhere, wouldn't you, basically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would be pretty bad. Um, so, yeah, from, from a sort of tactical point of view the, um, as well, the, the guys on Twitter who you know, um, I've really sort of like promoted the idea of the um, the authenticity of uh, sort of, you know, how, how people move in the military, how they hold their weapons, you know, the, the actual sort of weapons they're using. All, all of that side of things was top tier in this film as well. Uh, all, all, all I've heard is, you know, nothing but praise for the, the way, um, you know, Scott and the, the other sort of team members move, how they talk to each other. All, all of that sort of stuff that you know that their strategy for uh, close quarters combat all of, all of that is about as authentic as you're going to get um and it, it does you know it, it just pops off the screen yeah it's 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 a lot of fun i mean i like what you guys said i i would agree it's not my favorite um scott atkins film but uh, it's <laughs> I, I would take this any day over um max cloud or mm -hmm. uh what are some of the other ones he's done that have been pretty uh, of um, incoming? In, in, oh incoming my goodness, incoming! And then what was the one he did by those directed by Ernie Barbarash? Abduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Abduction. Oh, I want to say, I, I want to say I quite a soft spot for that one. <laughs> so, oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty. And, cool. and the I mean, one with yeah, and, actually, and and the last Isaac Florentine, <clears> which, um, uh, which was oh, seized. Seized. Yeah, yeah. seized. Yeah, again, you know. But there's so many good ones. I mean, there's it's yeah. it's, it's hard to I mean. It'd be interesting to rank them all at some point. Mm -hmm. But the uh, this is definitely up there. It's certainly one of the um, I've, I've, what you what you have to admire is that Scott Adkins and the directors who work it, they're always pushing themselves to do something different. You know, mm -hmm. and and Scott's re I mean, he did a film that sort of touched on the same sort of visual style as this before, which I never saw, which was Rekill. You know that kind yeah. of tried well, that, that, to go. For that never some got sort of a proper it. release, did it over here? Um, no, but if I'm right, thinking that that had kind of that uh, not found footage, but it was kind of an, more of a cameras mm. are on the thing sort of. You're immediately there in with them in the action kind of thing. Yeah, the, um, the idea behind that one was it was like a um, like a documentary. Yeah, footage kind of thing, but it was really. Yeah. Yeah, and they, you could you, they could have done that with this one. They could have easily mm. had a camera crew for. I mean, that's been done in in quite mm. a few. Um, feel like I can't <clears> name <throat> names of them now, but you know the whole the idea of that sort of found footagey idea mm. of the, the camera following them around in a one shot. I'm sure has been done, but this one obviously they haven't done that. But uh, should we get on to scores? I'm I'm itching to to give you my my score on this one. Okay, we'll kick off then. Okay, After... well I think even if it wasn't. If if it was a if it was a traditionally shot Scott Adkins action movie, there's no way it wouldn't be an eight. And so with the with the success of the of the you know the the one shot gimmick you know the one, mm. the long takes and everything it's got to be a nine. And I never give a film a nine. So uh, I, I think this is uh, this is really something special. Wow, we're, we're kicking off um, the uh, with a nine. Awesome. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm joining you on a nine. Um, I already already thought of that. So um, yeah, th this is a really strong start for the year. Um, and Sean, what do you make of it? 
I'll, I'll go right with yeah <laughs> i'll go right with you guys a nine i mean you know and i've been saying it for a long time and i'll you know i'll just echo it again but i really wish that um that hollywood would you know if they you know out here in the states we have uh, sony screen gems obviously i'm sure they have their mm -hmm. stuff out, out with you guys as well yeah but i feel like a company like sony screen gems if they wanted to they could invest it doesn't have to be a huge big budget one but they could do a mid mid-level mid-budget uh action movie um, 50, maybe 60 million tops or something yeah, yeah. and give Scott Atkins the opportunity to headline something like that. And I honestly think that it would surprise many. I think they would easily have their investment back. I don't know why um, Hollywood doesn't want to take those chances. And I think one shot, had it had a little more pump money pumped into it, this could have been that film that Sony yeah. screen could have hung their hat on. And unfortunately, well, even Netflix, you know, even, even yeah. Netflix could have, could, could, could easily cover the budget for one of those sort of films. Yeah. And, you know, a few years ago, there, there was a spate of films in, in that exactly that sort of category we're talking about, which, you know, weren't particularly expensive to make, had a few names to them, and, you know, st still got, you know, a relatively decent sort of cinema release. So, so you know, things like Bastille Day, the Idris Elba one, which got its name changed. Um, take down was, or something. I think take down or the, yeah, the take or something. Yeah, um, the take. I think yeah. Uh, there's the uh, Numi Rapace one, um, which was called Close. Close. Yeah, yeah, that that was really good with um, what's his face from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Jeffrey Rush. No, uh, younger guy, the one who plays Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's he's in that as well. He's really oh, good. I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, it's it's actually a decent little film. Um, and again, you know, it's not mega bucks, but it it did a decent job. And you know, that, that's the sort of bracket I'd like to see him in, really. Well, I mean, if you look at, I mean, there there's a film um, that was like you said in that same era um, that was put out. Um, I'm trying to remember the company, but it was called Dead Man Down with uh, Colin Farrell and. Uh, oh yeah. Terrence yeah. Howard, and and it's an it's an okay movie. It's not amazing, but you watch something like that, and it's like. Man, this went theatrical, but something like One Shot or Avengement did not. You know what mm. I mean? And, and you watch something like Dead Man <clears throat> Down, and it's like, and not to mitigate or discredit Colin Farrell in that role by any means, because mm. I think he did a serviceable job, but that could have easily been Scott Atkins. And if Scott Atkins was in it, we could have had some, you know, better fight scenes. You know? well, and, that, and that film was uh, not necessarily entirely funded, but that was basically a WWE movie. Uh, yeah. WWE films right. production Interesting. and you know they've worked with James Nunn on the Marine you know so that, that you can't mm. or the Marine five, uh, five and six so yeah it's not a million miles away that you could sort of put those guys together and you know bring mm. you know bring something bigger to the table it's weird yeah of, of course this year we've got um we've got Scott co-starring in uh, John Wick 4 uh, alongside uh, there's, there's some real heavyweights in that one um got Marcus Zoror and Donnie Yen in there as well. So <laughs> good grief. You know, that's gonna We're gonna have be... to wait till next year for that one now though, aren't we? Oh, really? Is it yeah, I, think it's like, I think it was like mm. March next year. Oh my god. Yeah. Weird. Originally that was planned to come out at the same time as Matrix Revolutions. Mm -hmm. Re sorry, Re Resurrection. Resurrection? Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. Oh. Is it really being pushed back? Oh my god. Yeah, unfortunately I think they announced <laughs> it like um around New Year time that they were gonna oh, fair days. Holding it off because they were, I think they were scared of the Omicron variant and uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, but yeah, it's going to be good when we get to see it. 
So One Shot is available on Sky. Is it Sky Cinema or just Sky? Well, yeah, I mean, Sky Cinema, now TV. You know, it's uh, available exclusively there for the time being. Mm -hmm. Uh, I expect it will get a a DVD release at some point. Universal Pictures tend to uh, release a a fair full of, not all of them, but, you know, a fair chunk of them. And so hopefully Mm -hmm. this will get a... I'll keep my fingers crossed because it it is one I I would love to have in the collection. Um, Great to hear an audio commentary as well. Awesome. This scores three nines. I think that is almost unheard of on the DTV Digest. Um, can't think of another film that scored that highly. I can't. So, so there you go. Yeah, three nines. Uh, we set the benchmark pretty high with Scott Atkins in one shot. Go check it out. Our next review is A Violent Man. Steve Mackelson is a dangerous prisoner incarcerated for double murder in a maximum security prison. We follow as he navigates his struggle against redemption, the system and his inner turmoil when a young black gang member becomes his unlikely new cellmate and a daughter he has never met finally requests to meet her estranged father face to face. Um, Okay, so this has a lot going for it I cannot deny that at all but for me this was like watching a horror film it is grim and brutal and the ending just left me feeling it's sort of a mixture of like Mm. feeling numb and having shivers at the same time you know it was just very very disturbing is is probably the best way to describe this Um, Steve how did you feel about a violent man yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying on that one. Um, but I'll be honest, it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, it was a lot more introspective and a lot more heartfelt than what I thought it was going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got the link sent through with the poster, I'm like, oh, great, it's Craig Fairbrass in a prison. It's just going to be, you know, you know, violence. Typical, and typical, yeah, typical gangster movie stuff. Typical foot yeah. soldier kind of thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was a lot more more deeper than that. And that I give it credit for. It was, I think the weird thing is, it's literally set in two rooms. You've got the cell and where he's speaking to the, like, uh, I presume she's like a solicitor and mm. then, then his daughter. But it feels bigger than that, if you know what I mean. And... I was actually really impressed with Craig Fairbrass in this and the the younger lad in his cell. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, not sure of his name. Even Jason Fleming, which I've not not seen for a while. He, you know, he, he worked it well. Um, but yeah, it is. It is grim. I mean, especially when you get like the sparks of violence from him or. Mm. You know, like the opening scene was just like, well, okay, this is where it does set the tone of the film. It really does. Um, it's literally just some guy being stabbed about 95,000 times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you kind of know it's going to be that kind of violence and, you know, it's unflinching. It's just, it's not glamorised or anything like that. It just, it is what it is. And, be honest, I thought it worked 
a lot more, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich, over to you, mate. What do you think of this one? Yeah, they've got the um, uh, say Craig Fairbrass is kind of he kind of specialises in like these hard, you know, as you say, sort of introspective mm. hard man movies. Now he's he he does all the mainstream foot soldier stuff, but he also he's he's digging a bit, he's digging deeper. You know, you got something like Villain, which is a bit more of a mm. more of a traditional thing, but still with a bit of depth and to it. And Muscle as well, isn't it? And Muscle, which mm. I haven't seen yet, but I hear very very good things. Yeah. Which is sort of again painting a pretty dark portrait. Uh, th- he's really good in this uh you know again i've seen you know quotes and stuff saying that like best performance and stuff and i think that's you know pretty much re- i mean i haven't seen his entire catalog but i think it's pretty deserved mm. um there's there's a couple i mean it's like when we've seen a couple of um you know other actors who are known like action stars or whatever and they're known for a particular kind of performance or whatever and then they you see them in this like really intensely dramatic scenes or whatever and you they and you can see where they're really pulling something out of the bag Mm. and you know there's there's a lot there's some like monologue scenes and stuff in this which you know yeah as well a voiceover yeah and as well as voiceover and that works really well and yeah it is a bit horror horror movie like it is quite horrific um you know you know the 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 way you feel at the end it's like what i don't really i mean but it, it kind of there's a lot of foreshadowing of that, but at the same time, it's, it, it happens. You're like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know, I can't process what I've just seen because mm. it just it doesn't seem to be mm. rational. But that's kind of the that's the point that he's that he's been trying to make for the whole movie. But the mm. um, so yeah, the the whole film is very much like uh, Confession, which we talked about last week. It's it's all internal, all in a couple of rooms. I don't think you get an external establishing shot at all. You're, nope. you're literally trapped in nope. it. It's very dark. The cells are very dark. There's barely any light. You know, it's supposed to be kind of, uh, you know, that, you know, uncomfortable, oppressive kind of environment. But it's very, you know, they've done a lot with, you know, they probably didn't have a huge amount of money, but it's very stylish within those limitations and it works really mm. well. Uh, there's lots of close ups and things. They, they don't, uh, there's not lots of, distance you know pullback shots or whatever you, only in the, like cells you might see the cell but when when he's like in the interview room or whatever it is and uh, stuff you know that's all very close it could be anything you know they, they they haven't there's not a lot of set design going on in 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 this movie by virtue of the aesthetic that he's trying to go for it's a it's a it's a a feature directing and writing and directing debut for actor Ross McCall and I think it's a very confident debut. I mean, he he co-stars mm. as well. He appears as 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 one of the support, uh, as one of uh, you know, in like one scene, one key scene, he appears. Now, what's funny is I know him mainly from Green Street Hooligans Two, which was Jesse Johnson's prison movie sequel to Green Street, uh, where they it was set in a, like a London prison, but it was actually shot in Los Angeles, and it just didn't work at all. It was just it's it's not a good movie. As much as I love Jesse Johnson, that that film just didn't really work. But it, you know, this is a million miles away f- uh, from that kind of prison movie. That kind mm. of uh, you know, you know what we would expect from like a low budget or dramatic thing. This is a this mm. is a heavy drama. Um, 
very limited in characters, limited scope, but you know, lots going on, lots to sink your teeth into. And um, there's also some really nice action, uh, you know, moments of action that they've added in. When I say action, I mean, like, you know, scuff, scuff, scu you know, uh, uh, scuffles and, um, you know, fighting, stabbings and whatnot. I mean, when the film. Shanking. <laughs> yeah, Shanking, yeah. You're talking about the film, uh, you're talking about that opening scene. Now, it opens so slowly. I mm. thought something was wrong with my player because I thought it, it like literally all, you can't see any. It's like an out of focus shot for like two or two, like two minutes or something. And yeah. I, I was thinking, has it paused? You know, or, you know, mm. is, is the screen muted? Because I could hear stuff, but, but it's all about something coming into focus. But it's just they spend a really long time with it. Um, so, yeah, the um, I guess without trying to you know, belittle film, whatever. The thing that came up into my mind was it's basically like, it's a gritty reboot of Porridge. You know, it's like, it's like, mm. it's that same setup. It's those two guys in a cell yeah. and occasionally you've got the other people coming in, except right, except instead of Ronnie Barker and, you know, Richard Beckinsale, yeah. it's Craig Fairbrass and this other guy. The setup is the same, um, but it's like, it's so, it's really, really serious and dark yeah. stuff, but, you know, very well worth yeah. Seeing. And then, then, then he got the screws, you know. So sort of, instead of Mister Mackay, he got this guy who's like a, mm. you know, to totally corrupt and uh, sort of dangerous uh, sort of prison officer. Yeah, yeah. Well, to say that yeah. everyone's a threat in this movie. I mean, there's. I mean, the other film, the the other thing that came to mind was um, there was a Steven Seagal film called Out for a, Out for a Kill, mm. and Seagal ends up sharing a cell with this. Um, with this young guy and the the, the setup is in, in that's kind of kind of same this is like completely different kind of movie but the um yeah I, th I think you know this was a real surprise it's I, it's I can't really say a pleasant surprise because it's an unpleasant film but it's you know I'm, I don't want to say it's like I don't although there are horror horrific tones to it I do think it's accessible and I don't think you know it would be too off-putting it's certainly no more violent necessarily than most other prison movies. It's just the way things unfold. And, the, the, you know, it's a film without real, it's without any real humour. Um, you know, even uh, Craig Fairbrass's character says, you know, I don't joke or whatever. You know, it's got all mm. that typical kind of yeah. hard man, you know, saying the C word every five seconds sort of, uh, you know, thing going on to it. But it's not, um, I mean, even something like Avengement, you know, that has its prison scenes. Mm. There's a sort of heightened reality you know that with the um, heightened sort of uh style to that mm. you know that a bit more playful this is not playful at all this is you know this is um you know down and dirty absolutely uh okay any more thoughts on this one um yeah i think so only to <clears> say <throat> that it was originally called Aya, and the uh the distributor changed the title to the much more consumer friendly a violent man mm. Which I do understand because uh, you know Io mm. is it, it it does really suit it does suit the film because it's it's off you know it's off putting it's kind of you know, it's not an e it's not a title that it's easy to market no. you know if it's a like Craig Fairbrass Io you know so, uh, I don't know about it. it's a bit like when like Nicolas Cage did a film called Tokarev or and and it was like oh, yeah. they didn't really know. What, what what was that referring to or whatever and it was, it was a bit of an awkward title so like in some territories they just called it rage you know they just they take something that's a bit unusual and then just give give it so, like something really accessible like a really mainstream title and so a violent man does suit this 
down to the ground because oh, you know yeah. it is thing but and it essentially conveys the same thing but Aya is it, it has that it's got like an art house-ish kind of feel to it doesn't it you know if you go oh yeah Aya. I was like oh it's intriguing it's, you know you'd have to look it up in the dictionary probably to actually figure out what it actually is but um a violent man you know exactly where you stand it's a film about a violent man take it or leave it indeed um, yeah. yeah, this this is a sort of grim and gritty portrayal of life inside, um, and Fairbrass is, is really really good in this. It's just, uh, it's it's you know it is it's just so grim, um, really for for me for my personal tastes. Um, it's not an entertaining film as such. It's, but it is a great performance at, at, at its heart. Uh, okay, I was, so I was watching it at the mm. um, at like mid. I started watching it like after midnight. Mm. You know, trying to fit it in because I was like, oh god, I'm And normally I'm falling asleep trying to watch movies or whatever. And I was up until two o'clock. You know, quite mm. alert watching this. It's it's very engaging. I thought. You know, it's um, it's it's one what it's you know, it's not going to be for everyone. But I think if you're if you like Fairbrass and you want to see him doing something a bit different, yeah, check it out. And if you've not seen Fairbrass because you, you're not really a fan of the Foot Soldier films, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with what he's capable of. You know, he's a very, you know, he's he's really developed his, you know, he's 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 able to do, he can do the hard man thing that he's been doing so many years with his eyes shut. Yeah. But you know he's mm. taken it to another level. He's saying, right, okay, I'm, this is a mature, interest, you know, introspective, you know, considerate look at, you know, I suppose you could compare it to like a Bronson kind of thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Tom when yeah. Tom Hardy yeah. Bronson. He's like, it's it's a character who's like almost like born in violence and sort of you know stays there and you know you don't kind of understand him and maybe he doesn't understand himself and it's just a really, you know, someone you, you get to know this guy and you actually quite like him at times, but he's he is a monster. He is terrifying. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Okay, scores on the doors for a violent man. Let's start with Steve. I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. And Rich. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Um. Okay, I I didn't like this film. Um, it, 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 it that's not to say it's not a good film. It's just that I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I, I, you know, I like the. I don't think it's a film you can enjoy, is no, it? No, exactly. Really? Mm, yeah. You know. So, so I'm giving it a seven, you know, purely on its merits rather than, you know, it, it's not a film I'd want to have in my sort of collection exactly. Um, but I could certainly see myself probably watching it again at some point. So there we have two sevens and an eight for A Violent Man. Go check it out. Our next review is Caught in Time. Captain Zhong Chen is brought in to head up a special task force to take down a particularly violent and intelligent gang of armed bank robbers. However, on his very first day, it comes to realise exactly how hard it's going to be to take these guys down. This was a pleasant surprise, guys. Mm, this came out, of came out of nowhere. nowhere. It? it literally came <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. Um, landed on our desk. Uh, we've got Daniel Wu heading up this, um, this this gang of armed robbers. It's a period piece. I say, oh yeah, I mean you know, set during the nineties um, in in mainland China, and we've we've got this gang of robbers. Um, 
It does start in, in media res. I have to put my hand up and say it does start, start in, in media res, <laughs> although yep. it does rectify it. You know, it, it, it's not something which is happening <clears throat> like halfway through the film. It's literally the next scene, which does make me wonder what the hell they were thinking of, why, why they thought they needed it. Um, it's, yeah. it's again that thing of like, oh, we need to kick off with a bang, you know, uh, rather than sort of five minutes of exposition. But there you go. Um, other than that, this is, I think it's great. I think the set pieces are great. I think the um, the acting's re really good. Um, you know, it, it's a marathon, not a, not a race for these guys. Uh, you know, it takes them 10 years to take uh, take the, the gang down. And, and we see them sort of like, you know, meticulously putting together their, their case, um, tracking down these people, um, you know, from both sides. So, you know, we see how Daniel Wu's gang actually operates and how they... Um, they sort of plan their robberies and things. I, I, it's it's just really well filmed and well acted. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, uh, Steve. Yeah, uh, I agree with you completely. Um, again, I was a little bit put off with the the media as at the beginning because it was literally one scene and then you see it again. Like two minutes later, I'm like, seriously, this is what it's going to be. But I did like the um, the parallels between you know, the robbers and the police. Mm. And it kind of, you know, the, the learning off each other in a way, you know. Yeah. And is working out how to catch them and what their, their ticks are and how, how they're working through. And, yeah, it was just really well acted, really well shot. I mean, there's like um, where they go into... Is it like a hostel or something? And it's like, mm. you know, one long shot going through as they're trying to find them, even, you know, falling off the building and then following through and stuff. And that that shot, I thought, was absolutely, absolutely cracking. Um, mm. But the, the action's great. The story's great. The way it shot, acting. It, yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. And like I say, you know, came out of nowhere. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into when I put it on and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rich, over to you. Yeah, we've. Uh, this is quite familiar territory, for, for especially for... Like, it's it's a bit Kong. like Heat, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of films, especially in Hong Kong, which are mm. about, you know, group, you know, two, fa you know, you've got a bunch of heroes trying to take down mm. the... Most recent, the most recent example being Raging Fire, uh, Raging Fire, which yeah. is, which this has a lot of similarities to, except in the case of Raging Fire has got much bigger action sequences. Yeah, as well. like, this, has got, this has got some pretty, yeah. pretty re good set pieces itself. I mean, mm. uh, you know, Heat is obviously the, a, a film that's sort of in the back of all of these. It's like the the high watermark that always uh, gets mentioned. But the, um, I thought the. You know, the, even stuff like New Police Story, for example, yeah. with um, with Jackie Chan, you know, d does all this kind of stuff. The um, uh, I was curious about the whole, you know, is it based on true story or whatever? I think it's, mm. I think it's inspired by some true events, or, or yeah. you know, not mm. necessarily, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, officially retelling those events. But you know, it starts. It, it I was, I got, it's quite it's quite intriguing when it comes it comes up and it says like it's 1990 and you're like well, why have they chosen that why have they made that choice mm. i guess it's because it's mm. it's rooted in something that really happened uh, and yeah it's it it sort of 
takes place over several years. Um, I thought that was all handled quite well. Say the the the, the the main lead, you know, the cop hero. You know, we've not got a Donnie Yen here. We've got somebody who's much less well known. I'm I'm not really familiar with his work. The but uh, he's he's kind of he's kind of more of an everyman kind of uh, hero. You know, yeah. there's nothing particularly spectacular yeah. about him. You know, he's just a very good cop mm. or whatever. And you know, you've got the Daniel Wu as the cool and sort of stylish and oddly he- oddly. Haircutted. It's the weirdest one. Oh, that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it, Somebody made a joke on Twitter that he looked like um, uh, Gail Weathers from Scream. I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure what they were talking about, but then yeah. I saw the poster Scream for Scream Three. 3. Yeah. Scream Three. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, right, okay, I get where you're coming from now. The, but um, at least he get he does get rid of it at some point, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, so, as as, yeah. as the time moves forward mm. and whatever. But yeah, I thought, you know, this is uh this is. Directed by uh, Lao Ho Lung, mm. who's more, more best, uh, you know, more established as a writer. He's yeah. directed a couple of films, but he wrote yeah. Kung Fu Killer, mm-hmm. uh, Donnie Yen's movie. Uh, uh, three 14, that we covered ages ago. Three. Uh, Johnny uh, Tone he directed one. a bit of that. Uh, 14 Blades. Yeah, that's uh, Painted Skin, Three Kingdoms, Dragon Squad, which. Um, uh, Stephen Scar was an ex- exec producer on, had Michael Bean in it. He's done lo- loads of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been writing for 20 years. Um, but this is a very confident and assured, you know, le- you know, w- well-directed action th- action thriller. The uh, it's it's not a film that um, it's quite surprising to me. You know, amongst um, uh, of all the sort of Hong Kong and Chinese movies, this seems like an unusual one to have suddenly got picked up. But when you watch it, you realize why, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's they've mm. clearly, it's clearly been seen at some point, whether it's for um, uh, like a festival or, or something, you know, it's yeah. really caught someone's attention, you know, a buyer's attention and, and justifiably. So it's very, very strong. Absolutely. You know, as, as I said, you know, there's, it, there's no other than Daniel Wu, who, you know, known for uh, the TV is it, um, Warriors. Into that the Badlands, in? I think. But Into the Badlands, mm. that's right, yeah. You know, not many people are going to know the cast, but, no. uh, you know, hopefully word of mouth will, um, will help this one. Um, the thing is, I, th- I think in certain respects, I like this more than Raging Fire. Because mm. um, Raging Fire's got quite a lot of melodrama and, and stuff in it, yeah. and, and some of the some of the mm. shifts in it are a bit. Um, I, I agree. Bit, I, I think whereas when, this when, has got a very yeah. consistent tone, I thought. Yeah, when, when you sort of skip between the, you know, the set pieces mm. in, in in Raging Fire, you know, you, you're met with this sort of you know the melodrama sort of elements, um, which, which sort of you know you're kind of going well. Okay, well let, let's get to the next bit then. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, but what but... I liked about it, I mean, it's like like with um, um, a violent man, you know. Mm. Although this guy's not introspective, but we are spending time with this character, and mm. we're getting to know him. We do, and we do quite like him uh, quite a time. Yeah. But every, so every now and again, they have to do that thing of like showing you how evil he is. You know, he's just mm. gunning people down. He's just a straight yeah, up yeah. murderer or whatever. But he has he, he a, hands a kid off. a hand grenade. Exactly. Yeah, that's a yes. terrifying moment. That's probably one of the <laughs> scariest moments in the film because you yeah. know that's 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 one of the you know, worst things you can imagine, you know, a, a, you know, a, a child dying, and especially mm. somebody giving them the means to kill themselves. Oh, no. It's just, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's by, whether mm. in hand in a gun or, or, or whatever, but uh, yeah, that was, mm-hmm. that was pretty crazy. And, but at the same time, you know, they, they plant this seed of, you know, that, that he is somebody who has a relationship. He does have some sort of heart somewhere. In yeah. Him. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, uh, 
Yeah, I just think it's very well played. I mean, Daniel Wu is very experienced. He's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. He's 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 done he's done really. Uh, this this is a real. I mean, I haven't seen into the Badlands, so I'm sure he's you know very good in that. But mm. yeah, I really liked him in this. But it was the I, I, I should look up the um, the lead actor's name and, and refer to it. He's um, Quing Young Wang. If I probably yeah. mispronounced that as uh, as Zhong Cheng. Uh, what's I'm just having a quick look at what he's done because uh, he's done quite a bit. Yeah. So he's a Chinese actor, and he's have I seen any of the? Oh, he's done one called Lobster Cop. That looks pretty crazy. Lobster um, Cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'll be honest. I haven't really. He's got an extensive filmography, but I haven't mm. seen him in anything before. So I thought, you know, this is whether this is par for the course for him or you know that this is yeah. something a bit different it's probably one of very few films i'd say that are of his that have been released out you know over here I, I yeah, yeah. Well, the 800, um, the shadow Sh- shadow is available on uh, netflix oh is that um, the um jungy mao one yeah uh, yeah really, so I, he's really done that he's that, done the, so. the 800 so he's got he's mm-hmm. he's got a few high profile movies definitely mm-hmm. so but not necessarily in leading roles yeah um yeah, I, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by this. I, I didn't expect it yeah. to be as good as it was. No, neither did I. Um, uh, the only weird thing of this, it, you know, it is a Chinese film, and there is that sort of little bit of propaganda right at the end. You get that sort of like that epilogue sort of crawl of text. Yeah, well, you've also saying, got that mm. bit right at the beginning, haven't you, where mm. he pulls off the posters that are defacing yeah, the, yeah. the propaganda, yeah. it seems. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like you know that bit at the end is sort of saying, and, and that was the last time anyone had a gun in China. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit like when they changed the ending to Fight Club recently, where it says, "And the bad guys were all arrested." <laughs> <laughs> God, cool. All right, so this is a pleasant surprise, guys. Uh, scores on the doors, Rich. Uh, seven out of ten from me. Uh huh. And Steve. Eight. I agree with you. This is an eight. Um, this is going in my collection as soon as it's released. Uh, two, eight, and a seven for Caught in Time. We highly recommend you check this out. Our next review is Glass House. Confined to their glass house, a family survives the shred, a toxin that erases memory. Until the sisters are seduced by a stranger who shatters their peace and stirs a past best left buried. Um, I did not get on with this one bit, guys. Mm. We've come across films like this before, like um, Settlers, Rich. The, yes, absolutely. Um, with, uh, Sophie Bedelia. Mm. Um, and I, I just do not like them. I, I don't know why. There's just something about this sort of film. Um just rubs me up the wrong way the it has an interesting look you know this sort of like kind of victorian era kind of almost sort of cyberpunk not cyberpunk steampunk kind of look to it um but the the idea behind it 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 just does not grab me at all um steve did you get on with this better than me no not really um to be honest i thought it's quite boring um the characters i thought were really fucking annoying to be fair and was it right I, I don't know if I missed something or what but was the fact that 
one of them supposedly shagged a brother and everyone was fine with it. Mm-hmm. Was that just me or was that the actual point of it? Yeah, uh, no, it, that it, was that what there was there's that there are incest themes. Yeah, I mean, and it yes. it was just I'm like <sighs> no. It didn't work for me at all. I found it boring. Nothing really happens. And yeah, just couldn't. Like Mike said, I couldn't be asked with it really. It really, really bored me to tears. Really did. Which is a shame. Um, Rich, did you enjoy this better than us? You liked it? Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I really glad, liked I'm, it. I'm glad one of us did. I'm glad. No, I think yeah. Scott, it does. I did think it had like a really. To see, although it's very familiar, as you say, we saw Settlers recently, which does basically the same thing uh, as this. And also, you know, I was trying to think of where does this all come from? You know, what's up? Uh, and I think like something like uh, The Beguiled with Clint Eastwood mm. is a pretty similar kind of thing. Of, mm. you know, in that film, it was uh, a Confederate girls boarding school, an injured Union soldier cons his way into each of the lonely women's hearts of causing them to turn on each other. That's how it's described on IMDb. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that's happening here. A stranger comes into this environment. You know, can he be trusted? He's chained up and whatever. But, you know, people start to be fall for him. You know, he, he's it's he seduces, but he, it's more like they, they're desperate to be seduced. Kind of they're, mm. they're, they're, they're sort of projecting onto him almost that more than more than anything else in this particular instance, because he's not a particularly charming guy. Uh, in in this version uh, of of what they're doing, but I love the that whole, as you say, that kind of Victorian. I mean, they're wearing bonnets. They're wearing literally, <laughs> literally wearing bonnets. Yeah. With um, sort of beekeeper kind of stuff, and you know, yeah. like you say, sort of Stevie sort of pipes and stuff going through because they're going going outside and they're trying to breathe and whatever without becoming um, uh, exposed to the happening or whatever it's supposed to be. But the um, the shred, yeah, the, the shred, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's it's a very intimately told story, but you know, clearly there's a bigger story that's that's outside that we don't get um, too much info, you know, don't ever really see. So it's a bit like Settlers. Also reminded me of Witch Hunt, which was also a very female centric film mm-hmm. with a lot of great intimate, you know, world building in terms of just you know things like costume design and language and whatever. And they just it just worked really well for me. I thought that was kind of good. There's the the creepiness of this of you know we're spending time with these characters and we like them <coughs> and, you know, or, or not like them might find them insufferable, but <laughs> as you were saying, but the, um, you know, they seem quite harmless and stuff, but then you've got a little girl pl- having a tea party with a corpse, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. they've clearly gone, mm. they're, they're, they're off the, you know, they're just, yeah. they're not normal. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's like all that vamp- ritual, you know, that ritual they, they, yeah. they conduct at the beginning yeah. as well, you know, with the, uh, where it reminded me of like these vamp, you know, you get the movies about these vampire clans and stuff, and mm. or, or something like um, uh, the devil. Uh, you see, the, that's it. The this devil, is what, what it reminded me. The devil. Of. What was it called? It, re- the thing. it reminded me of um, my heart won't beat till I tell it to, or or Rose, you know, a love mm. story. It, it's that kind of thing. Ah, see, I was thinking of the other one. What was the one about the the woman who was looking for her husband um, because of the, you know, he'd run off. You know, and he'd not brought back the debt to the woman who makes the pies. Oh, um, oh the reckoning. Devil to pay. No, the devil. The, yeah, to devil's pay. pay devil to yeah. pay. Yeah, I thought the. Yeah. You know, it's got that. It does similar. You know, that's like a community and all that. It did similar for me. It sort of in that was in that kind of you know that cult. It's a bit like mm. a cult. They they act. They they they're like a culty sort of 
community. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, um, I see, see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's um, it is a slow burn. There's some interesting twists. I'm not quite sure I figure it out at the end of you know the, some of the re revelations. Whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's made in South Africa, which is quite interesting. Uh, it's all shot in a in a in an actual real glass house you know something a bit like Kew Gardens you know the, mm. the, the glass house mm. of Kew so it's got a really distinctive location setting and stuff it's not pro it's not like hard sci-fi it is more of a I think if you're well that's what I mean it, if, it, it, if you, are you going to be more into it if you're if you like a Downton Abbey kind of thing I'm not sure I mean, it's, it's kind of yeah it's like futuristic Downton but yeah. <laughs> but not put that on the poster it'll, it'll do millions <laughs> Yeah, but the um, yeah, because I was I was thinking it's Little Women meets something, mm. and I couldn't figure out what the something is. I guess it's you could say it's Little Women meets the Bogard or so, but that doesn't equate to the sort of sci-fi ness of it. Now mm. I will say that the poster that Signature Entertainment who picked this up, they've given it this like purpley kind of you know like, spacey looking poster, which I, I just don't think fits the film at all. So if anybody's mm. looking it up and they see that, I think that's going to set yeah the wrong expectations. The mm -hmm. it's much more down to literally down to earth than that. Uh, it, it, it's um, it's yeah, it's it's not it's not sci-fi sci-fi. It, it's more you know like something like Lapis is another example. That's a, oh, a yeah. signature Lapsus. also put out. Lapis, sorry, I could always get that name confused, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's not it's not a great title for remembering, unfortunately. The um, but yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I think we've had a really good week this week um uh -huh. for me i've i've enjoyed all the films uh that we've watched and you know i haven't found a dud amongst them if anything this is perhaps the weakest but i still think it's very strong on that note uh how are you going to score it rich uh this is another seven for me okay and steve a five yeah i'm going to join steve on a five um purely you know um i think from a technical point of view it's very well made but from a story point of view, um, it just did not grab me at all. Um, yeah, no, but you didn't really like settlers either, and I really no, liked I really settlers. didn't. I didn't no. like settlers either. So there you go, uh, two fives and a seven um, for Glasshouse. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Margaret. A young woman comes to suspect that her idyllic life with her husband isn't what it seems to be. Um, it really isn't what it seems to be. And, and this is a film mm. which did a great job of wrong-footing me, not just once, but at least twice. Um, so we have this lady called Margaret who's confined to her house, her apartment with her husband. Um, who he, He's told her that she's suffering from a disease that if she sort of steps out into sunlight it's going to burn her skin um, but she's starting to realize that she actually has no memory of this actually happening and that all she has to go on is what her husband's been telling her um, I thought this was superb e even just in the early scenes of like this you know this general unease sort of building and and you're unsure who's telling the truth who you know who, whose suspicions are right um, I, I just thought this worked really well. Uh, Steve, what do you think of this uh, one? Sorry, can I just say, before we go any further, I want to talk about spoilers on this. So if we <laughs> yeah. can just give a hard spoiler warning, okay. if anybody hasn't <laughs> hasn't seen it, go away and come back, because I, I think you'll get more out it's of gonna it. It's going to be difficult. You... Yeah, it's going to be difficult not to yeah. spoil, but um, 
yes, <coughs> please stop listening. Um, go watch the short, which you'll find in the footnotes below, and then come back. So, Steve, what did you make of Margaret? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I kind of sussed it halfway through. Really? Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, when when she went into the bathroom and like the, the lesions started appearing on the head and stuff, I'm like, hang on, she looks like she's tired there. And then right at the end, you get it. I'm like, right, okay, fair enough. It, it just, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Mm. But it just seems not weird, but it doesn't kind of make sense in a way. I mean, it's like, how is she repressing what she is with this drug, apparently? Mm. And well, where... she's already she's already before he got hold of her, she would she she already had amnesia basically, so she'd already lost. Uh, her memory, yeah, not not so much the memory, more the actual physical manifestation. Oh, the physical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you yeah, know what I mean. Some... You know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know how that. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's and... a good point. I think that's something to do with the drug that they haven't explained. But yes. Yeah. yeah, and like, why are they on Earth, and why are they all split up, and stuff like. That. But it it it's enjoyable. You know what I mean. I know you can pick, you can drive a truck through the potholes and stuff like that, but it's still enjoyable and. When, when Scott Atkins turns up, you're like, oh, okay, fair enough. And, you know, then it all kicks into place and then you get the theme tune and then it ends and stuff like that. Right, fine. I get it. But I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like what Rich was saying before, there's another, another part to it. Is it like an earlier part or something? There is, there, a chance to watch, there, there was a, an earlier film which did the same thing, but with a different character from the same universe. So they're, they're, yeah. they're right. sort of tied together rather than a continuing continuing story. If you see what I mean. So uh, do you think they're gonna like maybe carry on to like do one for each main character, and then bring them together or something? Or quite hopefully. possibly, I think that's yeah. kind of what they're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. on that basis, yeah, you know, um, Lionel Stovall is is the director of these. Um, mm. He is a um, action chore choreographer by trade. Uh, he did the fight choreography for Undisputed Three, Rich, I believe. Uh, yes, he did, and Blood and Bone. And Blood he and worked Bone. on uh, yeah. the Mortal Kombat series. Mm. Um, he's done quite a few things with Michael Jai White. Yeah. Um, Falcon Rising and. All sorts, really. He's one of the, he's one of the top guys, basically. Yeah. And, and as soon as his name came up, you know, I, I, I sort of sat up straight, basically, and sort of started paying proper attention to this. Um, yeah. So, so you know, between this and and the other one, I think it's a great sort of uh, proof of concept idea. Mm. Uh, we, we've we've kind of seen stuff like this before, Rich, with the you know the update of the Power Rangers, for example. Yes. I think that's probably the yeah. closest thing. Yeah. Is you take something that's um, you know that's very childish. Mm. You know, a, th a thing that's you know was for kids, and they've really sort of you know I've, I've mentioned it already the, the whole idea of like a gritty reboot. You know, that hardcore yeah. sort of take on it. I mean, Mortal Kombat did it. I mean, Stovall worked on Mortal Kombat, and it's it's got some of that DNA in it. Yeah. But Mortal Kombat was already a mature thing anyway. Yeah. You know, they mm. made it really dark. Well, the, you know, um, less playful, but it was all, it's already about killing people and stuff. Yeah. Whereas this is a kid's, literally a kid's it, cartoon, and they're making though, it really. You know, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, without saying what it was, was it 
really a kid's show. I mean, I, I, I always thought it was a bit more sort of grown up than the usual stuff. Um, no, it was. I mean, it was definitely like. No. I don't know if it was BBC or ITV, but it was, it was definitely a yeah. kids' cartoon. BBC. But, but the thing is yeah. that the bad, you know, the, the sort of the recurring bad guy was basically Eddie from Iron Maiden. You know, it was, it was oh. Mumra. It was <laughs> yeah. Mumra. Don't give me that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you probably listeners, you're probably guessing what we're talking about. Yeah. Now. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. But uh, I, the... I must admit, with this one, I I didn't, I, I it just didn't click what I was watching. Well, nor did it for me. I mean, that's until what I, I until the theme tune kicked in at the end. Then, then... the thing was, the thing was, yeah. I'd already seen the other one, mm. and still, you know, I didn't know that it was related because mm. there's there's right. such different stories, but yeah. they're doing the same thing just in a different way. Whereas um, uh, the first short has a really difficult title to pronounce because it's basically an uh, it's an anagram it's, isn't it? it's yeah. an anagram yeah, yeah. and this one it's you know the name of the character has been given as margaret but her, mm. you know, she's not actually margaret the i loved all that you know the first all the setup and everything is very 10 cloverfield lane kind yes. of stuff, yes yes as well as uh, misery or whatever you could you know there's lots of different you know kind of other uh, other examples but there's also this whole gaslighting thing that's going on mm-hmm. you know it's not just that he's got her prisoner or whatever he's it's just like he's he's feeding her these like you know he's trying to control her reality and stuff that's and, it yeah and and she's you know wise to it and you know she's strong enough inside that she finds mm-hmm. a way to overcome it and you know remember some of who she is and and they never explicitly you know, she never explicitly knows who. I don't think she even remembers necessarily her full identity by the end. But she, she... I think she does at the end. But yeah, yeah. When, when she's dealing with him, she doesn't. It's, it's only right at the end mm. when she picks up her staff. Oh, that's a great moment as well. Yeah, that is really, that's, really cool. I mean, the action's really. I mean, you expect yeah. so from Lars. There's, there's less action in this than in the other short, mm-hmm. which has like a full-on um, action fight. So this this reminded me a bit of. Um, I think it was called Bloodthirsty. Do you remember the film? It had like yes. little X Men stuff peppered through yeah, it, but yeah, not so right, much yeah. that I'd noticed. And it was only at the end when, like, mm. um, you know, like these Wolverine key, that up, yeah, yeah. Key, key characters turn, turn up right at the end. Yeah. You're like, right, I'm watching this. I'm watching this like fan film. Yeah, this yeah. is kind of a, this is kind of similar. It's kind of sets up a, uh, mm. a similar kind of what. Well, I mean, it's a very, it's like just on about ten minutes. This film mm. um, gets in and out, really well mm. shot. Yeah, it is. Great. Really I really well hope they make another one. Yeah. What 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 I also liked, as, as I mentioned earlier, is is you know the fact that you're not really sure who's telling the truth. You know, is is her yeah. are her suspicions grounded, or mm-hmm. you know, is he telling the truth? Because there's a moment where she go, goes to the bathroom, and he gets on the phone to the doctor, going, "The pills aren't working. You know, they're not working the way they should be, mm-hmm. or something." And you're thinking, "Oh wait." Maybe maybe he is telling the truth. You know, maybe you know the, the pills are really to help her or something. It, it, it's 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 uh, very interesting the way it's sort of played. Uh, should, we, should we just mention the other one, Rich, before we um, go? I, I think I'm thinking we'll put the link for both in the. Uh, I think yeah, that would be a good, great idea. I mean, they're both actually they're on YouTube, but mm. they're unlisted. So if you go searching for them, you probably won't find them. Well, you mm. might find them in Google. But yeah. yeah, we've got the links in the description, so that's your best bet. Um, yeah. Do you remember what the um, what the first one was called? So like At- Atrofan or something? Yeah, something like it was. It was an anagram of Panthro, basically. Yeah, it? but basically, mm. if you watch the first, if watch that first one, mm. the the gig is up when you when you click on the link because they kind of give the 
give it all away yeah. uh, in the in the description of the video. Right. So you're better <clears throat> off watching this one first. In the other one, hmm. is it Scott Atkins in the other one? No, not yet. No, Scott Atkins doesn't appear in the uh, in the other one. No, hopefully right, if okay. they do the third one, that's when he's going to turn up because he's uh, right. But there um, is a there is a there is another main one of the main characters. Like hmm. there is like a fleeting glimpse uh, in like um, in like the, at the conclusion. Yeah, you know who they're searching for, kind of thing, because the, the the whole setup is basically. It's like the Transformers on Earth looking for mm. Optimus Prime kind of thing. That's basically what it is, mm. uh, but it's for for, yeah. for, for this other. Um, it's a little bit like, remember when they, they made the He-Man movie and basically just transported everything to Earth because it was mm. cheaper to do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, and hopefully enough people will notice this, you know, and hopefully sort of throw some money Lionel's way to sort of, um, you know, continue to develop it. But um, yeah, no, mm. I, I think I think it's it's a, a good idea. Um, it, it's especially an interesting idea of establishing the characters, you know, and hopefully at some point you'll be able to sort of bring them together for, you know, a bigger production. So um, yeah. I have to um, put uh, credit to uh, the Film Combat Syndicate for covering this because otherwise it, I, I completely didn't know about. Them. I mean, the first the first one got released like middle of last year. This one came out at the very start of this year. I had no idea, hadn't seen anything mm. about them. And I, it was just because I was bre- checking on their website because they cover a lot of short films, you know, give a lot of really good coverage. And yeah, it's just through them that I found it really. So all the credit to them for putting mm. it, uh, for, you know, raising awareness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as usual, we do not score the, uh, the short shots, but we do recommend you check them out. So you're getting a two for this week. Um, both links will be in the footnotes below. Please check them out. This week is Desert Heat, also known as Inferno. A man drives out into the desert where some men steal his motorcycle and leave him for dead. He survives and no longer thinks of suicide as he now has a purpose in life, revenge and getting his bike back. We've seen this film, haven't we? Didn't we, didn't we just review the stranger uh, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it's on. It's on yeah. very similar ground to the it's, stranger. Obviously, there's yeah. you know there's loads of films with this sort of idea. John Wick, the first John Wick, same sort of thing, um, but uh, sort of different results, I guess. I was a bit confused um, with this film to begin with, uh, mainly because of Danny Trejo turning up. Um, okay, uh, Sean, let's kick off with you. Um, your thoughts on Desert Heat. Oh, you know, when, when you guys brought this one to me to, uh, to join in on, I was, I was actually pretty excited because this is without a doubt, I'll just get it out right now. I mean, obviously Dolph is uh, one of my favorites, but um, I've always been a huge Jean-Claude Van Damme fan as well, ever since I was a little kid. This film in particular could very well be the most bizarre, the weirdest, like the, the absolute wackiest film in Jean-Claude's entire filmography i mean the tone of this film is so just it's it's i i don't even know what (laughs) when i was watching it again i was just amazed at just how weird this film is um having said all of that i mean there's a lot that we can say about this one um but i think first and foremost mr jean-claude van damme um he is uh he's at a really interesting spot in his career because if you look at him within the past 10 years or so he's 
pretty much been on autopilot. He's kind of comatose. He doesn't, uh, I don't think he really is entirely invested in a lot of the projects, but you look at him in this one, man, he is charming. He's smiling. He's acting goofy. I mean, so I think anybody who um, comes into it, I think is going to at least find uh, Jean-Claude's character to be pretty charming in some respects. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Steve, over to you. Yeah, I agree with Sean. Van Damme's good in it, but to be fair, I wasn't over overly impressed with it. It seems very well, like I say, it's like the stranger. It's just your average revenge thriller with a couple of bit of mystical bits thrown in. Um, looking at you know, reading up on it afterwards, it seems that um, the director John Abelson, yeah was looking at more of a, a bit more of a mystic type thing going on and you know was kicked out of the edit room and then took his name off it so I think I would have wanted to see his original vision a bit more mm. than what we saw apparently there's a director's cut out there somewhere right. yeah, I don't think it's been released but it was a, the, the, the film was originally called Coyote Moon yeah and, and uh, his original cut apparently Van you know, from spec, you know what people have written online, Van Dam wasn't a fan of it, and so I think he took more con control over the edit, and I think that's where you see the film does have this very unusual tone, and I think that's because it's been pulled in a couple mm. of different directions, and there's there's a lot of in it's like in the action scenes, there are these real flashy moments that are thrown in, like you know, like the bit where he jumps flashily uh, uh, when he shoots the gun uh, when he goes to the bar. And he sort of does that jump backwards onto the ground yeah. and then a bit where he jumps onto the motorbike and stuff. All this sort of stuff that they end up putting in the trailer, which is a bit at odds with the, <clears throat> the quirky, you know, character stuff that's going on in the rest of the film. But I love it. Yeah. I, love, I, I, I really, I, you know, I, I really think this is something, uh, something distinctive, something quite special. Well, can we say, can we say how just, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, when I mentioned how weird it is, that right there is something that I think, you know, is, needs to pay attention to, is that this film was directed by John G. Albertson, okay? This yep. was directed by the guy who helmed classics. Can we just say that real quick? Classics, Rocky, okay? Karate Kid. I mean, there's a wonderful documentary about him called uh, King of the Underdogs. So it's just so weird that this little film of Jean-Claude's that um, has gone under the radar, and I don't think many really know about it unless you're a real mm -hmm. diehard Jean-Claude Van Damme fan, um, was directed by John G. Avildsen. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, Van Damme's ego, I think he's always had a bit of an ego over his films, but then again, so has Sylvester Stallone and all these guys. But it's kind of unfortunate that, uh, that he saw this and he was like, no, I'm going to go with my gut over the <clears throat> person who gave us Rocky and Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, because that, um, that's what's confusing, you watch all the, you know, all the marks, all the trailers and the, and the, sleeves, and the sleeves and stuff. They say, um, they say Danny Mulroon. Uh, it's almost like mm. an Alan Smithy kind of thing of, of Averson got his name taken. Yeah. He got his name taken off the film, but he, it seems like he only got it taken off the marketing because at the end of the movie, it clearly say says name, yeah. directed by uh, Averson. Yeah. So the um, the film is also known as Inferno, which is the title we found it on uh, on on YouTube. There is an official release version on YouTube, unfortunately not in widescreen. 
uh, and it is slightly edited. It's like an edited for television kind of version. So there's a little cu- some some little cuts and stuff, but they mm. they haven't taken a massive amount out of it. But the but yeah, that's what I always found really confusing. It's like this quite odd, quirky movie that you know ended up around the same time as Legionnaire. They both went uh, straight to video over here. You know, both doing something a bit different. To be fair, I mean, um, Legionnaire was much more. Uh, I mean, these are both very well cast films. They've both got great ensemble casts. Mm. Legionnaire was. Uh, you, there was a bit more emphasis on Van Damme in that in that film. In this one, Van Damme is almost incidental, a bit like with um, the Stranger. That the Stranger, had. yeah. He comes yeah, in, you yeah. know, and he does stuff and whatever. But really, he's getting he's being completely outshone by the ensemble of of. I mean, the actors mm. in. I mean, we have to look at the cast list for this one because this is mm. great. I mean, you've got Pat Morita from Karate Kid, obviously, but there and and but there's. I mean, the list is insane. Okay, so. Danny Trejo, we already mentioned, he's got quite a prominent role. Mm. But you've got Jamie Presley, Larry Drake, uh, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick, who also did my, uh, uh, Mr. Nice Guy with Jackie Chan around the same time. Mm. Uh, Jim Hanks, Tom Hanks's brother. Brett Harrelson, Woody Harrelson's brother. And um, some other character actors like Silas Weir Mitchell and Vincent Chevalier, <laughs> Jeff, Col- Jeff Cobber. <laughs> the list just mm. goes on. I mean, mm. I haven't seen... A, 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 there's not many films of the cast that amazing you know in btv yeah and they all get they all get something to do as well which they is, do yeah. well, chevalier doesn't he just get he, really he's he's doing a a, a, mm. a dodgy indian accent and stuff but <laughs> pat maurice is great a couple of those old guys you know yeah. like the old guy who's wearing his, his <laughs> pajamas basically yeah yeah he, he's really he's really good and then you've got that old couple you know the yeah, snake handling woman the, and, uh, and the and yeah. the Henpeck's husband. I mean, they all get great scenes. Well, and you guys, we're we're talking about the tone, and I think that's, I mean, that that's I think the biggest problem with this film is that it goes for some, it goes for like real dramatic stuff Mm. at times. I mean, because let's face it, I mean, he's contemplating suicide here, but but then it it goes to uh, comedic moments, and I don't think there's anything wrong with adding humor Mm. into the film, but the humor is just so goofy and silly. I mean, I think the biggest. Mm. The biggest problem I had is going along with the tone is we get the scene where um, the women want to thank Jean Claude for his, uh, for yeah. his you know, um, I, his I, I think film. I think that was his technical input into the script. Right? Yeah, and so <laughs> oh, God, he's, yeah. Having, he's having this three-way and everything like that, which mm. is problematic because I mean later on in the film we are you know supposed to cheer him on as he goes so off with, uh, with his love interest, yeah. and it's like, well, wait a minute, our hero was just you know, doing this. And I mean, that leads me to the other issue I have with the film is I find it hilarious that it's this small rundown oppressed town, but there's not a shortage of beautiful women anywhere. Mm. I mean, it's... it's... <laughs> but that's uh, one of the weird things. It's like, there are plot holes here, very definitely. I mean, it's... What is Jean-Claude's character, Eddie Lomax's motivation? Because we, we got kind of... He's kind of talking to Danny Trejo and he's like, oh, yeah got to go back for the girl and all this sort of stuff and he hasn't even established a relationship with gabrielle fitzpatrick at that stage so it's mm. like you, you wonder what's he talking you know is is it a bit like the stranger where it was you know a, a past life kind of thing or you know trying to go back to someone he had before but he's in a different form or something but they never go that direction well, I, I and thought... all of a sudden they're just together and it's uh, just like uh... where did that come from 
Yeah. Well, even more confusing for me is that is you know with the, with the setup at the beginning, I thought Danny Trejo's character was dead. Yes. And he was, yes. you know, and he was a ghost. You yeah. know, he's he sort of talking to his ghost and everything. And it's like, but, wait, he, he's alive? What? The, what then, it's just so weird. And then there's the ending. <laughs> yeah, you, the you can see him too ending. Yeah, that was quite. Yeah. Well, make and, you wonder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it does make me wonder: was was the intention for him to be a ghost all the way through? You know. Well, I was wondering if that's... if Van Damme's character was supposed to be dead himself. You know, again, mm. going back to the stranger and that, stranger uh, idea. Uh, that yeah. um, Ed, Clint Eastwood uh, influence, or whatever, mm. is he like a supernatural mm. presence? You know, did he die and but he's living on on this other, mm. having this other existence kind of thing? But it, uh, you know, the way this, again, this could be the way they edited it and changed it during the production or something. Mm. But it, you know, it's very obvious that Danny Trejo's alive, he's alive, every, you know, everyone's alive. Yeah. Um, but apart from that ending, obviously. So yeah, it's. It's wild. It's very. It's very odd. I've, I've, yeah. I've always been curious about it, but it's funny. I must have. I haven't seen it for a very long time, but I must have watched well, it, it quite a lot because I remembered so much about it. It's got so many memorable scenes. And, and going along with that, yes, it it doesn't have really. Um, it has a lot of memorable scenes, but a lot of it also doesn't hold up. And I actually remember. I had a, actually a funny story about this one. Well, maybe not so much a story, but I remember regarding the production of this one. It again came at a at a really interesting and fascinating time in Jean Claude's career. Okay, because what had happened is, I mean, he's gone on the record. He has been very public about his drug use and everything, mm. and his his rampant drug use is um what kind of helped uh, unfortunately derail his career a bit. I mean, that's kind of what closed the doors of the Universal. And so what happened is when he when he ditched Universal, he went with Sony. Okay, and so he got a few theatrical releases with Sony, um, and but they were very middling box office returns. They were nothing really um, that stellar. Um, then he did a film called Legionnaire. Legionnaire, that one was not a Sony release one, but that one couldn't find distribution. That one was his very first direct-to-video film. And he's got a couple more in theaters after Legionnaire. But what's interesting is I remember he was, he was filming this one. This was like going to be maybe not his comeback, but this was his film um, that was pretty much announcing to audiences that he was off drugs. Okay. Because he, I mean, it, when he, I remember he was doing promotion for the film knockoff and I mean, it was kind of, he was, you know, using his um, sobriety to kind of help leverage knockoff and get, you know, more people in the seats for knockoff, but he was filming um, this film here in the States. It was going to be called Inferno. And then um, Universal Soldier, the return came out and that one did nothing at the box office. So at that point, Sony decided to uh, cut their losses and, uh, and release this one direct to video. And I just think you remember I was in high school, but I remember renting this from my, uh, my local video store going home. I was so psyched um, to watch it. And even in 1999, I kid you not, but even then when I watched this one, I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, I can't imagine this playing in theaters. Like I cannot, I mean, those, so that was just me at least, but I was, I remember watching it and thinking Sony did the right call because this has a feel and a taste about it to where Universal Soldier, The Return, yeah, that one played in theaters. Maybe it wasn't that great, but this one in particular, despite some cool camera shots and scenery and whatnot, um, this is a direct-to-video film through and through. And the Bill Conti score yeah. as well, it, you know, frequent. You know, the guy who did Ro Rocky and, and stuff, he did the score for this one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the opening of the film, 
I mean, whether it was shot by different people or something, but the opening feels like it was shot on video. It's got those weird angles and sort of, it, it just doesn't feel like they had any money. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, they literally shot it in the desert and stuff, but then as the film moves on, it feels more like a traditional movie. You know, there's, there's, there's some big explosions, there's some nice yeah. sets and stuff. But when it starts off, you're thinking, oh, geez, this is, uh, this is a bit of a drop down in the, in the budget stakes compared to, well, like, like you say, the previous ones. The um, double team, I've, I've got a real soft spot for this whole, oh. uh, whole area of Jean-Claude's career, basically double team and knockoff with Choi Hark. Um, and then, say, Legionnaire and Inferno. And I loved Universal. I got to see Universal Soldier in the cinema. I didn't get to see Doc Knockoff. In, in, mm. in the cinema, but uh, Universal Soldier. I, thought, right I saw Double Team in the cinema. Yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. See, that knock, I, knock off. I mean, not great, but I should imagine that looks really good because it's such a colorful movie. Mm. Double Team was amazing. Double Team, I'm right there with you, Rich. Double mm. Team is one of my. That's probably a top three Van Damme movie for me because of how colorful and just weird and it's fun crazy. it is. Yeah. And you know, mm. and and can we just say what's what's really interesting about this one, Desert Heat? What's interesting about it is. No, it's not one of Van Damme's best, but I will take, how do I say this? I will take this era of Van Damme or this um, level of Van Damme enthusiasm over anything he has done within the past uh, seven, eight years. I know a lot of people love the, uh, um, the show that he did on Amazon Prime, um, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I thought it was okay, but I felt like in that one, he was still, there were scenes where he seemed to be sleepwalking. I would take this, level of Van Damme um, acting over anything he is, and certainly over Kill Em All, We Die Young, anything like that. Because I feel like in those, he's just going through the motions and he's on set for a limited amount of time. Here, he is, um, he's involved, he's having fun. He's, I mean, I mean, he has that, what I like to call, he has that Van Damme smile. I mean, if yeah. you look at Van oh, Damme yeah. from, from about 1989 to about 2000 or so, he just had this smile that was just magnetic. And yeah, his charm is one of his great assets. It's one of, one, this, it's one of the things peak, he just doesn't use anymore. Yeah, this is peak Van Damme charm to the max. And for that reason, it gets a pass from me. Cool. Okay, any more, any more to add to this one? No, uh, no. just to, nope. just. Just to say, I say I found it on YouTube. It's on. There's a distributor called FilmRise, and they put a lot of stuff on Amazon or whatever. And I hadn't realised that they have their own channels on YouTube. So this and a fair amount of other films are, you know, freely available, completely legal to to, yep. to watch. So yeah, it's a. It's if you, you the, it's likely that you've not heard of this one and you've not seen it because most people haven't. I don't mm -hmm. think. And I, I do think it, it is. It's it's got a it's got enough that's interesting about it, even if you don't love it as an action movie or as a, as a quirky sort of comedy or whatever, because it doesn't kind of fit in both camp, camps. But I think it's, mm. it, it's definitely a curio that's worth checking out. Yeah. Before we um, close it out, before we close it out, do you think maybe we could, the four of us all sing the song that, uh, that, that Jean-Claude and Danny Trejo sing? Oh, the cigarettes yeah. and whiskey <laughs> no? and wild, wild <laughs> women. They'll drive no, you crazy. They'll drive you insane. There you go. Nice job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed uh, The Stranger that we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, uh, this would make a really interesting companion piece to that film. Definitely. Uh, so, so go check yeah. it out. 
Um, there's quite a few sort of misogynistic sort of lines of dialogue in here, but it's it's weirdly balanced out with a certain a sort of homoeroticism between uh, Danny Trejo and John Claude Van Damme. There's a really weird scene where Trejo is sort of like tending to Van Damme's wounds, and and he's basically spooning him in bed. <laughs> it's it's just very very <laughs> strange. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, so there we have it. Uh, we will put a link to the um, to this film that we found on YouTube, so you can go check it out. And uh, thank you to Sean for joining us this evening. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, uh, thank you for the invite, guys. Any anything Van Dam, I'm 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 game. So <laughs> I'm sure that you know that we we've we covered Wake of Death a, a while ago, which also turned up on uh, Prime. So. I'm sure a few others are likely to appear sooner or later. Um, thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me this evening as well. Always a pleasure. Well yeah. Uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook and DTV. Don't forget to check out our Facebook and Twitter pages at the DTV Digest. Um, also the uh, Short Shots Twitter page where Rich recommends you a new short every evening around about eight o'clock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.